0: let us pray holy and gracious God help me to forever rely on your help remind me that perfection is not what you ask but rather faithfulness lead me along a purposeful path where my actions reveal your love Hold now my many flaws, accept them, and steer me clear of making them my excuse. Heal me, and help me to find you in the darkness of my life, where your light casts out all darkness. Gather me in, restore my soul, that my mouth would sing your praise. Amen.
1: A reading from Romans chapter four, verses 13 through 25. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of many nations. According to what was said, so numerous shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words it was reckoned to him were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who has handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification.
2: Good morning. Well, in the calendar, it's March already. I find that pretty hard to believe. And March is a pretty important month. Major League Baseball pitchers and catchers (laughs) reported to their training camps in Florida and Arizona about a week or so ago. The position players came in a few days after that. And now exhibition games are underway. And yes, March means spring training. And for baseball fans like me, that is a big deal. It's March, and it's also Lent. And that, too, is a big deal. The time associated with discipline, spiritual, and physical. In trying to connect spring training and Lent, there are a few similarities. Both occur in the early spring, and for some people, they are all about springtime, about the prospect of sunshine, warmer weather, outdoor baseball and softball, coming after the long, cold, dark, dreary winter. Okay, not so much out here in Southern California. It's always warm, sunny, and they play baseball and softball year round. Both culminate in festival celebrations of opening day and of Easter. And they're about discipline, about sacrificing, often physically. Well, at least spring training used to be about discipline and preparation. Back in the day, players would come in and take advantage of spring training to get into shape, to get ready for the long, regular season. And if baseball were part of the Anglican Communion, they would call that ordinary time. Nowadays, most players actually work out on their own during the off-season. They get in shape before spring training even starts. Occasionally, there are exceptions, one, would be Pablo Sandoval. If those of you out there, any baseball fans might know him, he had been third baseman of the San Francisco Giants. He now signed with my beloved Boston Red Sox. He's a good third baseman, a good hitter, especially in the postseason. His nickname, uh, Kung Fu Panda, or Panda for short, uh, reflects in part that he has never been known for being particularly trim and fit. Um, a picture of him last week went viral. picture was taken the first or second day of the Red Sox uh, training camp. He was in the infield taking ground balls and uh, was wearing a t-shirt that probably could have been larger. Um, and this picture from the side suggested that he had not spent the winter exercising. <laughs> so the very intense nation, perhaps unknown to Abraham, but known to me and others as Red Sox Nation, went absolutely ballistic, wondering about this new high-priced star. How dare he collect all this money and not come in highly physically-toned, buff, ready to play? Seen to me this is unfair for two reasons. One, anybody who had followed his career would know he's never been in good shape and still plays pretty well. Plus, clearly, he was a traditionalist taking a a traditional Lenten approach to spring training and should be lifted up for for that. (laughs) For Christians, we mark this season as a time of penance with traditions of prayer, of giving charity to the poor, and traditionally of fasting. Now, fasting has, in our own time, been replaced more by giving up something, usually a food item. Which means, really, it's often really just related to dieting and weight loss. For example, giving up chocolate for Lent. Or, another item, and I want to give credit to my office who, doing research yesterday, though I'm not quite sure why this research was being done during work time, um, (laughs) discovered a, a new baseball tradition, the churro dog which is described as a warm cinnamon churro sitting inside a Long John chocolate glazed donut topped with frozen yogurt, caramel, and chocolate sauces. If interested, it's available at Diamondbacks games in Phoenix, and for those of you that uh, watch calories, it checks in at about 1,200. The churro dog would also be something that people might choose in the future to give up for Lent as a form of Lenten observance. Now these sorts of things actually suggest that in our current practice there's an element of serving of self there, that it's really about abstaining for the sake of self-improvement. And some have pointed out Lent kind of comes along so we can give up chocolate and churro dogs so that we can try to fulfill the promise we made in our New Year's resolution that by the beginning of March has already failed miserably. Um, But is there another way to think about Lent than giving up things that are not good to eat? And I think today's text, and thank you, Melinda, for reading that so well, maybe can help a little bit with that question. In his message to the Romans, Paul recounts and reworks, kind of substantially reworks, the story of Abraham and Sarah. And in the reading, reminds us of the greatness and goodness of God. God does something through Abraham and Sarah that we can't do. God gives life to the dead. Pushing 100, pushing the chance to be with Willard Scott, Abraham is nearly dead. Nearly at the end of his life. And so too is Sarah, at least in terms of being able to bear children. But they do produce a child. Abraham had every reason to be skeptical, skeptical of this promise by God that he, Abraham, would be the father of nations. But he had faith, and he was justified by that faith. Abraham's faith allowed him to trust in God's implausible, unlikely promise. The promise that Abraham would be an ancestor of multitudes, of many nations. That through Abraham, and Sarah, God would call into existence things that do not exist. And so for Paul, Christians are spiritual descendants of Abraham justified by their faith in God. The Christians' faith, trust in God's implausible, unlikely promise in Christ Jesus. But does this have to be read as a divisive message setting Christian against Jew? I don't think so. I hope not. Because Abraham clearly is the father of the Jewish people and of Christians. Whether by birth or faith, Abraham is the father of nations, of the faithful, Jew and Christian alike. And note this is about a people, God's people, a community, a community called to be active in the world in the covenant with God. Abraham is not the patriarch of a bunch of individuals working out alone in the off-season, but rather a nation, a people, God's people. So this story should point us to what some call the vocational community of God's people. After all, we are all in relationship with God and with each other and need to reflect on what we do together. So Lent shouldn't just be about what we do as individuals And actually, for all that focus that there may be on self-improvement, think about some of the things that we do say, either out loud or in action to each other in Lent. On Ash Wednesday, many of us go around with ashes on our forehead, and it's been wonderful the last few years of OUM to go around and take ashes across campus to provide a public statement, a public experience, pretty dramatic in proclaiming that we're God's people, particularly in today's secular world. And even when we tell people that, oh, I've given up churro dogs for Lent, we are making a statement, a statement that we are God's people. The theologian Caroline Lewis has pointed out that, yes, Lent is about denial, but it's about the denial of the supremacy of the self. It's a recognition that we need others, that we need to be in relationship with others and with God. It's a time to remember that we can't do things alone, that we need God, we need others to live and to act in this world. And maybe that's what baseball spring training is all about, too. Many of the players, as I said, do train physically in the off-season, alone, maybe with a trainer. In that work there about improving the self. But in spring training, the solo work of the off-season is transformed into the work of the team. There's a move from the individual to the collective, from the self to the community. And so Lent is a time to remember that whether Christian or Jew, we're descendants of Abraham. We're all God's people because God's promise is to us all. And doesn't that open doors rather than close them? I think there is an inclusive foundation there, a foundation for conversation, for dialogue, for engagement across religious traditions. Spring training is when baseball fans have faith in their team's prospects for the year ahead, even when that prospect, that promise, seems implausible and unlikely, as it does for Cubs fans. And as it did for Red Sox fans prior to 2004, we're now living in the end times. (laughs) Abraham had faith in God's promises, implausible and unlikely as it was. What then can we do when we have faith in God's promise? When we listen to God, the God who is both good and great, the God who brings life from the dead, the God who calls into existence things that did not exist. So in this season of Lent, let us have a strong faith, let us trust in God's promises, and let us live to please God, amen.
3: I invite you to take the time to get comfortable, to let these beautiful words of the prayer of Saint Francis roll over you and give you power to move into the communal life of faith. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow charity. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is error, the truth. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying to ourselves that we are born to eternal life, amen. Please stand as we join in singing the God of Abraham praise. Go in peace to love and serve God.